0: Hi, I'm Michaela Loach. And I'm Rebecca. And this is the Yikes Podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Yikes Podcast. Um, I'm Michaela Loach. And this is Rebecca. Welcome to the Yikes Podcast, where we talk about all things sustainability, um, climate justice, anti-racism, refugee rights, loads of different things and we try and make all of these conversations like as accessible and inclusive as possible. Today's episode is sponsored by Go Climate. Go Climer are a Swedish-based carbon offsetting company that provides a monthly subscription service where you can offset your individual carbon footprint through their hand-picked climate projects that are all gold standard certified and supported by the UN. Um, Joe and I have previously spoken about our reservations um, surrounding carbon offsetting.
1: Yeah, we always felt like they were used in a way that was like buying yourself out of the guilt that um, you have when you live in the global north particularly and live a certain lifestyle that has big impact on uh, the earth and uh, therefore also like high emissions. With Go Climate, we feel um, that they are a lot more transparent in the way that, you know, where your money flows. Mm. They are calling for system change. They see that uh, carbon offsetting is just the first step for wider change. For individuals, for us, particularly for businesses.
0: Yeah, like they even say, it's quite key in all of their messaging that this is just the start. This isn't something that you do to um, clear yourself of responsibility. It's not something that you, you can't just buy away, like climate guilt. <laughs> it's, mm. it's not That's not what the service is there for. It's there to try and actually create some meaningful change. So they deliberately talk about system change in their website and how they're trying to incorporate that in their climate projects. Um, They have 100% transparency with where all your money goes and you can see all of this on their website. Um, And they really do genuinely seem
1: to care about creating a better world and using this as a way to do that. And I think also something that we continue to emphasize is um, that we live in a world that is or in a system that is designed to be unsustainable. So for us individually to be 100% sustainable or even regenerative is very, very difficult and only very few people Mm. can do that, particularly in Western capitalist societies. So using this as like, you know, your first starter and continuing to reevaluate your individual and our collective um, actions and systems is essential. So this is a great starting point. Mm. Yeah, you can tell that both of us are actually quite passionate about this and we think they're really, really great. Um,
0: so if you want to hear more about Go Climate, if you want to sign up and start um, offsetting your lifestyle, start offsetting your life um, in some way, because just if you're like us and you live in the global north, like you just have a bigger carbon footprint um, than people in other parts of the world. And so it's, if we have the financial privilege to be able to do it, then kind of trying to find a way of making that more carbon neutral is really really good so you can find goclimate on goclimate.com and they have a monthly subscriptions so they have gift cards as well um but yeah do have do check them out they have a whole part of their website about their 100
1: transparency all of their climate projects there's so much information on there um so yeah check them out thank you to go climate for sponsoring this and also being so open to speak to us about uh the work that you do and yeah learning in both ways Today, we're going to talk about a few different things from, again, system change and um, white fragility and call out culture a bit to futurism. To keep these episodes as accessible as possible, we're just going to quickly define some things that we are talking about in this episode. Um, To start off, a little content warning that we are talking about racism and white supremacy. Um, So please do take care of yourselves if you're listening. Um, And then for the definitions now, so we are talking about system change and uh, lifestyle change. So uh, if you haven't listened to our second episode of the Yikes podcast, then please do that uh, as we are defining a lot of uh, terms in that Which is good for this one, and then um, for this episode, futurism. So futurism is, uh, in a sense, uh, a practice, an academic piece of work, like a scholarship, but also, yeah, just mostly based in like practice around how we envision different futures. Um, There are certain like, I guess, like strands of that. For example, Afrofuturism. Um, indigenizing futures, decolonizing futures. Um, Basically, instead of always looking at the past, we're looking at what could be in the futures. Um, So that is futurism. And then monopolistic is uh, a term that I use for um, interventions that are supposedly helping for system change, uh, but are very much top-down and um, kind of refer to a like mono is always like one so it's like that one silver bullet solution that is supposed to solve all of the complex problems in the world so when we refer to like diversifying solutions or um pluralistic solutions that means that we have many different solutions addressing complex issues Uh, and that's for the definitions hope you are enjoying this episode And we're going to start with our yikes of the week. Yeah, we haven't done this
0: in a while. I feel like we kind of lost our format. <laughs> yeah, we did. Um, They're just too many yikes. Yeah, are um, too many yikes. Though I think we, like every other week, it's just been like there's just too much to unpack. Um, too much. Yeah. But one thing that's been making both of us yikes a lot um, has been like the fragility of people who say that they want to do um, anti-racism work, and especially now just coming out saying they want to do anti-racism work, but then aren't comfortable or get defensive immediately as soon as someone calls them out on how that, or how their behavior has been performative or problematic in some way.
1: Mm, yeah. Um, like so much, I think we both talked about this, like in the zero waste or sustainability community in generally, um, like how it's okay for them to be calling out or dragging people mm. across the internet for using a plastic straw um, mm. when like that's okay because they do it and they do it in the way that they feel comfortable but then when someone else um is saying some, something on the internet um around for example anti-racism work um they they expect it to be in the way that they feel comfortable i think i definitely we both see it a lot in um in like the zero
0: waste and kind of ethical living movements is like people are more than happy to call out other people on like their use of single use plastic or like yeah. their be- their behaviors that they deem to be problematic for the environment. But as soon as they, like these people who do calling out usually get held accountable for how they uphold white supremacy, it's suddenly like, but why can't you just be nice to me? Like, why can't you just call mm. me out in a nice way? Like you've really hurt my feelings. And it's all like centering that person instead. Um, yeah. And I think that, like, when we think about this, like, when people are like, "Oh, like, I just want to be called out in a nice way," realize that the reason that you've been called out is because you've harmed a community and you've harmed mm. people. And so, why in that situation is your priority your own feelings? Like, yeah. it shouldn't matter. Like, you, you, you should. It shouldn't. Someone shouldn't have to call you out in a way that's like. Is comfortable suitable to and you. suitable to you because yeah. in a way that is like white supremacy of you being like I even want to dictate the way in which you can hold me accountable for my actions
1: <laughs> like how ridiculous that is yeah just like the audacity that people have that you know like when they're being called out or like not even sometimes directly but there's just like a general statement they put that on them and rather than like sitting with that and like learning from that Mm. Uh, and putting in the work they have the audacity to put their fragility on the person uh that said something and they center it around them and just like again like dictate how the people should be feeling or yeah it's just it's just mad I think even like like
0: with this I would say the biggest thing people need to do is is like check your ego and like because a lot Mm. of a lot of this reaction of being like. I'm I'm hurt they 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 were wrong in how they called me out it is like letting your ego your like bruised ego get in the way of you actually seeing the situation as it is because the reality is in that in those situations what you need to do is just pause take a sec like no one enjoys being called out no one, no one enjoys being told that they're wrong yeah. um I read something on Instagram I think it was saying like how the fact that we hold on to this identity as being like a quote-unquote good person that just stops us from being able to actually create meaningful change within ourselves because we're Mm. unable to see our behavior when it's problematic and wrong, because we see ourselves as this identity of the good person. And therefore that, that gets in the way of us actually seeing where we inevitably won't be the quote unquote good person that inevitably we're going to, we're going to make mistakes and we're going to trip up. And like, Mm. we need to be aware of that and we need to be open to that and we need to not be so fragile that as soon as like we do something wrong and someone calls us out on it, that we just break and we just decide that we're not going to do any work anymore and we're just going to not say anything. Like, yeah. we should be valuable. We should be like, I have been kind of like I don't know. I am so expectant of doing things wrong that rather mm. than being defensive, I'm going to kind of be yeah in in expectation. That like, you've talked about this. You talked about this on one of our Patreon episodes about um how like you expect to be called out because you you realise that um like as a white person you will have internalized so much white supremacy mm. and you realize you're going to get things wrong and so not only do you expect to be called out but you're really grateful this is what this is what you're saying on the picture episode that you're really grateful mm. when people do like give you the honor of their time to call you out on something
1: yeah yeah it's so strange like how we think that being you know like that being wrong makes us inherently wrong like mm-hmm. isn't it worse to always say the same you know like like it's, it's so mad that we think our opinions or our uh, ideologies never change throughout our lives. Um, mm. And, yeah, like, when someone invests, like, the time or the labor to, like, call you out or, like, say, you know, like, how you can do better or what, whatever they do, um, mm. like, wouldn't we want to take that on because we see that, like, they are putting the time and, like, energy into us and, like, you know, wanting to make us better in the way that we act or say something or yeah um I think there's so much yeah th- there should be I guess like more um gratitude to to that mm. um you know because it's so I guess it's so easy to like cut people out of your life but like that's not that's exactly what's not being done there like there is the investment into Someone who has you know who is being problematic or who is hurting the other person and like through like racist or sexist um or like ableist whatever comments and that pe- person who was being hurt then still shows like I don't know resilience and courage and everything to that call you happen. out and then yeah yeah and yeah I mean and also like the audacity that like i'm I feel entitled to like calling or dragging other people for their let's say like unsustainable behavior. But I expect to be perfect in everything that I do. So like mm. no one gets to call me out. Like that is entitlement. And we need mm. to get away from that because that's gonna make you into the biggest like supremacist and like asshole. <laughs> and also like it hurts everyone. It hurts yourself. It hurts other people. Like stop it. Yeah, one thing I think like the biggest
0: thing here is it's just like needing to be called out in the way that is best for you is one like supremacy. Mm. And two is just like massively, like it's hugely, hugely, <laughs> words. Um, it's just like the biggest display of fragility ever. Like the mm. fact that you you are unable to receive criticism unless it's given to you in the way that you want it to be given to you. Because also, oh, sorry, there was a dog bark in the background. Um, this is what recording remotely. He I agrees. Agree you. Um, yeah, thanks Simba. Um, <laughs> um, but like, also I think, in these situations like a big thing that I always think about is like if our like anti-racism work or our activism or whatever um is comfortable in this society um if it's not disruptive in this society then is it actually anti-racism work or is it actually combating anti-racism like if we aren't disrupting the system that is racist and white supremacist if we're not if people aren't uncomfortable by the work that we're doing then aren't we just upholding the current system like What we need to see is radical revolutionary change and that isn't going to be comfortable. Mm,
1: Yeah, so, so much.
0: One thing that you were commenting on was around like the honour almost of someone giving you their time to call you out. Like one thing um, I've thought about a lot recently is like how easy it could be for someone just to ghost you rather than to give you their time to be like, this is how you hurt Mm -hmm. me. Like <laughs> people could just yeah. never speak to you again. And the fact that that person's chosen to like, and it doesn't matter how mm-hmm. they've said it, but the fact that they've chosen to give their energy to be vulnerable with you, to say like this behavior um, hurt me in this way or, or hurt a community in this way, like that is an honor that that person's giving you. They're giving you their time. They're giving you their energy. And so rather than yeah. responding to that with, with fragility and with defensiveness, maybe even just pause before you're going to respond maybe first be like thank you for taking the time to call me out on this i'm going to reflect on like my my own behavior rather than just react being reactionary and and responding straight away like i just feel like if we all recognize that um when especially a marginalized person say they call you out on your racist behavior like that even in them calling you out they're giving you the energy to call you out but also putting themselves in a more vulnerable position because mm. they're giving, they're almost giving you another opportunity to hurt them even more, but they're kind of hoping yeah. that you're not going to do that. Like I know that when I've called my friends out on racism, like it's, it's so scary. <laughs> um mm. Only because like, I know that there's a chance that person could hurt me even more with how they respond to me mm. giving them my time. So I just wish people kind of understood that a lot more. Um I feel like people would react a lot differently if people really thought about
1: it yeah thank you for sharing yeah i guess like so so often um i think we see that online at the moment a lot where people put in the work to do like to educate others and like put in the labor for anti-racism work, anti-racism work and then either it's being deemed as like what like there's putting a label on it as like you know i think you did a post on this recently around like the angry black woman stereotype mm. for example um but then when a white person like speaks up in similar ways it's been seen as like sassy and like standing your ground and, blah, blah, blah. and so like mm. you and know confidence. it's kind of feeding into that and bravery, but also like, yeah. yeah and bravery and yeah just you know going against the odds or whatever and like innovative like mm. bullshit but um, yeah, and like, I guess also in a way that so much of, of that labor is then kind of like taken away and like and like mm. sold under white supremacy again. Um, I saw um, the Me and White Supremacy book by Leila Assad um, and there's now four versions of that on Amazon.de, so the German Amazon, um, mm. by white people and like workbooks. And I was just like, Mm. okay so she for so long had a lot of stereo like a lot of like prejudice and like racist slurs and everything being thrown at her for this work suddenly it seemed trendy Mm -hmm. but still like she but still like her work is then again being taken by other people and like you know and then like Mm -hmm. being made like more digestible again by white people for white people Mm. and it's just like the grossness of that um yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, like we, mm-hmm. were, we were both
0: talking about, um, was it, was it you that I was talking to you about, um, the fact that in I think it was in the US, the number one bestseller was, um, White Fragility by Robin, Diary. yeah, yeah, um, and madness, we both felt uncomfortable, we didn't really know why, <laughs> I think completely, <really>. but <laughs> I think that one thing also is like for every I don't know, anyone who's able, especially who's a white person or someone who's more privileged, who's able to communicate um, anti-racism in a way that, I don't know, is quote unquote better or like, I don't know, clearer or more eloquent or whatever. They've Mm. learned all of that from the labour of people of (laughs) colour. Like all of that has been from the labour of people of colour. So um, I I think that people need to recognise that if they will only listen to that work, when it's been filtered mm. through a white lens like that it that is white supremacy at play as well like you you shouldn't yeah. if you have an issue with listening to black voices and black people talk about these things and if when a black woman says it you think it's too mean or too angry or whatever do you like realize how in so many ways that will be racism like at play and yeah. that will be white supremacy at play and like check yourself with that
1: mm. and also like why can't like why can't someone be angry yeah like, exactly you, like, you just did a racist split like yeah whatever and like the other person is entitled to be angry they're entitled to whatever feeling mm. what they want to share like you don't get to dictate what other people feel mm. or say to you like yeah
0: like i think i've something that i found quite difficult um is like in trying to avoid in trying to avoid the angry black woman stereotype because it's a stereotype so it doesn't exist mm. like no woman is an angry black woman like <laughs> um yeah. that just doesn't exist that's that's a racist stereotype um but in my avoidance of that I've wondered like how much of have of me has been changed in order because I know that every space that I walk mm. into there's a possibility that I even if I'm not angry that I could be perceived as angry like I've had friends um like close friends like Tell me that I've been really angry in a situation where I know I haven't been, like, I'm not completely unaware of my own behavior. <laughs> like, I know mm-hmm. I wasn't actually angry, like, they haven't seen me angry. Um, so, like, they <laughs> <sure> show <laughs> you angry. You, you will see angry? Honey. Um, that's, <laughs> that's something that Audrey put on her story recently that she was just like, y'all y- y- y'all call me the angry black woman, but like, y- none of you have ever seen me angry. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that was some bullshit. Um, yeah. like it's definitely affected like how I kind of navigate through the world as well like the clothes I think I wondered like how much the clothes I wear has affected like have been affected because Mm. if I dress in all pink and like weird earrings and like look (laughs) very like like feminine then like will I be able to avoid Mm. being called angry like will that will that help me in that way because there are so many yeah there are so many times where I like I'm not unaware of when I'm angry and when I'm not angry (laughs) um Mm. but I've still been like boxed into angry so so many of those times Um, and that definitely happens like especially when when someone's making you uncomfortable like almost like your brain's just going to jump to something that makes you defend yourself so like if someone's making you uncomfortable by calling you out on problematic behavior your almost defense will be like oh well they're rather than seeing their behavior as rational in calling you out Mm. your brain will be like okay i want to ira- make that behavior irrational so i'm gonna say that that person was just angry and unaware of what they were doing and wrong in yeah. their behavior rather than accepting the fact that that person actually was like completely righteous in being completely frustrated with you and even if they were angry mm. that, ang- that anger is completely it's righteous anger and it's like acceptable um and maybe yeah. you you have the issue rather than them
1: yeah 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 Yeah, stop projecting your own feelings onto other people mm. yeah. I, I guess like we, we talked earlier about like how um you know like unless we kind of go to those roots, um, like any any change, if it's not really yeah, like grabbing things by the roots, isn't actually system change or like mm. won't be sustained throughout. And I guess thus enough, you know, we've talked a lot um in our previous episodes around like system change and individual mm. individual change and everything. But um Yeah, unless those power dynamics change and like we won't actually get to transformation. And like for me, I I think a lot of like system change, like theory, but also like praxis, obviously, Mm -hmm. um is a lot around like, okay, what like how are we addressing power relations? How are we Mm -hmm. like addressing injustices? Like, are we when we advocate for let's say sustainability, are we you know, looking at individuals who are possibly, yes, possibly um, sustaining unsustainable behavior. But Mm. if we, if we look at those and we just like drag them and we, yeah, in a way just like dictate what individuals are supposed to do while not actually looking at like, you know, what would benefit the community? How do we address, like, how do we center justice and, um, the social equity part like in the middle of all of that then we won't actually get to any sustainability and we won't get to any system change because you still are dictating what other people should or should not be doing and that's mm. problematic in itself so. and like
0: and dictating that i think like within this uh the like ethical living and sustainability movement like almost but dictating that in this kind of weirdly individualistic way of like kind of expecting mm. that because you can do something that means that everyone else can do it and that's just not how like the world works (laughs) at all and like we've we've talked before um about how um within the like zero waste movement and stuff there's a lot of focus on this kind of individualism rather than like community-based thinking so like rather than looking at how how much a community can be involved with um with some sort of activism or within some sort of like behavior it instead seems to look at um like how how I can do it so that it focuses on like I have this jar of trash that I've kept for a year or whatever rather (laughs) than like like but how does that reflect on your community like like what's your actual community's footprint like wouldn't it be way more impactful if we worked on things in in community and worked out like how we could all participate in things rather Mm. than just kind of doing it in this like ego way of like I can do this And I can tell people I can do this. And I'll tell the few people that can also have the resources and the circumstances to be able to do this, that they can do this too. But I'm kind of going to ignore the rest of my community that can't get involved in this.
1: Yeah. Something that um, a professor of mine once said that has stuck with me a lot. um, And I think it's coming up like so much in recent times is that he said, um, it's awfully lonely at the top of the hill made up of other bodies Mm. and like okay you're racing let's you know even if you are not producing any trash you you know you whatever your sustainability goal there is but if, if it's just for you and you are for example like making other people do labor for you so you can be sustainable whilst you um are still expecting like unsustainable labor like done by other people for you then, like, what's the goal there? Like, so you have your um, egoistic like achievement, whilst you are perpetrating unsustainable and unjust behaviors for your community. And I think we, yeah, we really need to put the ego aside in those, you know, goals and think about like what is, what is the work here? Like, maybe I don't have the answers. Maybe I shouldn't have all the answers, and maybe I shouldn't be determining what's good for other people. Whether that's sustainability, whether that's uh, justice, whether that's participation, like, you you know, we as individuals don't have the answers for our entire communities, especially when we mm. uphold a lot of different privileges.
0: I think this kind of ties into um, something that both of us have talked about kind of privately quite a lot um, around kind of activism and success in activism and like where we'll ever mm. get with that. Because... I really we talked about this before on episode 2 I think it was the um like system change versus lifestyle change one and mm-hmm. kind I of talked about how um like lifestyle change is super attractive and it's a much easier sell because you can quite tangibly see the difference that you're making in your own life and like you can kind of achieve these different mm-hmm. goals you can be like I'm I've achieved the zero waste goal or whatever at different points <laughs> but um, yeah. like but then when you're doing, when you're looking at system change, you don't really, you won't achieve the goals in the same way. Like you're not going to, mm. it's not going to be like, I have achieved the end of oppression today. <laughs> like <laughs> like you're never gonna, yeah. like a lot of it's just going to be like, I mean, white right, people will tell you that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <love>. Um, <laughs> but like the whole thing is just more putting on pressure. And that's, that's a much more difficult sell. That's, that can be more difficult mm. to be a part of because, um, especially within like the systems that we currently live in success is seen as something that is defined something that you achieve something that you arrive at mm-hmm. Um, there have to be like goals but like very tangible goals um that you have to achieve at certain times whereas like system change is more like we're just going to put heaps of pressure <laughs> on um, the yeah. current systems to try and um, create new ones and try and force change um, and yeah it's quite difficult I think because I don't people I think the reason why people like um lifestyle change and all these different behavior changes and stuff so much is because it really helps your e- it feels your ego in many ways like even mm-hmm. even if your intentions are like really good and this is me speaking from my own experience like yeah I know that my intentions in changing a lot of my lifestyle choices that I've changed um were really good and were genuinely wanting to create change and things But I also see that within that there was a huge amount of ego that was involved like a huge amount mm-hmm. of that was me enjoying the fact that I had achieved this thing in some way and like almost that it could be something that could even be displayed to other people um so I think that like we all need to just check in with ourselves with our behaviors and our whatever we're doing or whatever we're giving our energy to be like how much is this for me and how much is this for the community and how much is this is this for like for causing grace and meaningful like change down the line um because I think we can do both like we don't have to do what like we we don't have to just do lifestyle change or just do system change but we should all be involved with system change and if system change isn't part of our lifestyle change then all we're doing is kind of fueling we're just kind of fueling our own ego and not actually like creating meaningful change but it's difficult because like, yeah we've talked about this before how um, it's quite like, we're, like both of us said like to each other how we're never going to get reach that destination and that's quite tricky especially in a world where we're told that that's success
1: yeah i suppose like living in a system that is based on like achievements like individual achievements and also like showing off those Mm. achievements If you are not subscribing to that, so if you are pushing for system change, that means you won't actually have any of those achievements, which, you know, for an individual, that can be really, really tricky. And that can also mean that there will be a constant struggle. And like, sometimes it means that anything we can, anything we do is like a bit of like resistance and is it's a bit of like struggle. Mm. But I suppose like on the bright side, that means that, you know, you are pushing for system change and like you can't find that common like you you can't find that push against everything. Something that like sometimes when I get a little bit like I suppose like frustrated because I, you know, if if you've been taught all your life and if you're if your society is so ingrained in that like you need certain achievements to be You know worthy or like to measure your worth in a certain way then i personally like sometimes feel really struck like yeah like frustrated with that um because i don't see that manifesting in my own life but something that helps me in that way um and like pushes me also to constantly be learning and to constantly like trying to do better is that i know that if i have a seat at the oppressor table and at the table that benefits individually Um, through achievements of the oppression of others that means like I also am benefiting off the oppression of others so like if my individual achievements let's say in sustainability Mm -hmm. if I'm sitting at that table um, which I, I definitely do sometimes and I will do in like also in a lot of senses that I don't understand yet but I'm trying to learn that like you know that is not my goal my goal is not to sit at the table of the oppressors my goal will be to like deconstruct that table um Mm. uh, you know i guess that is a really like lifelong journey and we see that with so many different activists who throughout their life and especially those that are still today for example like angela davis like their life can be seen in so many ways as like fighting so many different oppressions fighting so many battles at the same time and like, how do, mm. how do we sustain ourselves in that? How do we sustain ourselves and our communities in ways that is constantly pushing the boundaries, which means enabling others to then, for example, you know, step up and um, step into places where we don't have the answers. Um, mm. Yeah, because I think that
0: um, something I've seen a lot recently is people obviously talking about this whole, like, have a seat at the table thing. Mm. Like, I don't want a seat at the table. I want to, like break the table (laughs) (laughs) I want to break it break the table down and build a new table community like communally and together because the whole even like having a seat at the table dictates that someone has control over the table and someone constructed the table and therefore someone constructed the conditions of the table and so we shouldn't want to have a seat at the white supremacist table Mm. we should want to create our own like equitable anti-oppressive table and system um and I think that like that's that's more difficult because it'd be a lot easier to get a seat like Mm. to kind of want to get a seat at the table but system change and like systems thinking and like really wanting to do radical um, and revolutionary change like requires slower work um and more difficult work and like yeah you mentioned Angela Davis like she in an interview that I saw with her recently she was saying like how they really expected the revolution to come and it never came mm. um, in her in like when she was younger and when she was doing um, a lot of activism with like the Black, Pan- the Black Panthers and the Communist Party um, and like how she hasn't stopped fighting that for that that like gives me a lot of a lot of motivation and a lot of hope mm. that like you can still continue the fight and continue continue the passion even though you won't you might not get your your goals in your lifetime or something like that like you can still continue that because I think so often um yeah the only activists that we see like held um on a pedestal or like talked about are the ones who died during their work Mm. and it was almost like that was their achievement was death and it's like I don't want my achievement to be like being martyred for a cause like I I'm gonna I'm not gonna look for the approval or the acceptance of what the world sees as achievement within activism like I'm gonna like accept that like whilst I might not get validation from the rest of the world for my Mm. work like it's still really important work because working communities pushes the whole like world further in some way um and it's not Mm. as attractive and it's not as um I don't know yeah it's not as I don't know inviting as kind of yeah. you know maybe the kind of work where you have a bill passed at the end of your campaign or something yeah like I you can't take community yeah. graphics yeah. yeah exactly There's, you ne- you'll never tick the box um instead you'll just be pushing the world like a wee bit further in the right direction hopefully um mm. and yeah i think that's its it's a hard sell <laughs> but i think that it's yeah. more meaningful in its own way um and it should be just it requires you to have a lot of people around you i think who kind of remind you of the importance of your work and, and and that you support each other and that you have community.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So, so much. And I think that's, you know, a lot of the the reach of system change or transformation is exactly looking at those power, um, power relations. And like, how do we, like, if, if the power relations are sustained, that brought us into a certain mess, then how do we expect suddenly to change the mindset? Like, how do we, mm-hmm. you know, if we deconstruct, let's say, a factory, but the mindset of the people who have constructed that factory isn't changed, then they will just reconstruct the same factory. Same as, you know, and that's a very simplistic, obviously, example of system change, but, um or a system in itself, and like how we uphold certain systems. But unless we go to these like power struggles, and like go also to like decision making and participation, and everything, like, we can't expect that someone who has been benefiting of certain people or certain, like, resource extractions will wake up the next day and be like, oh, wait, um, I've been doing this all wrong. Like, I'm just going to change everything. Mm. Like, that's not that's not going to happen. And, um, and even if it did, the unjust and, like, unequal power relations that are continue to be sustained is not the right way anyways. And, like, you know, a lot of the, like, mm. eco like fascism or like eco authoritarian regimes, like even if you lived the most sustainable community, but you had dictatorship and there was like injustices in your community or in the nation, whatever um, it wouldn't be just, and it wouldn't be sustainable because sustainability also includes a just and equitable society or community and Mm -hmm. like people, relationships and stuff and interspecies relationships. So I think for me, like, um, a lot of what I I guess I like, spend my time with is uh, rather than like thinking you know like how can we cover up certain things like how can we Oh, if we just donate a little bit here and we just donate a little bit there like everything's fine like for me I think I think a lot about like well why do we have to donate in the first place why do these injustices exist in the first place and like instead of always covering them mm-hmm. up and like doing a little bit better how do we yeah how do we deconstruct that table so that that time lag won't just be, or like that system won't just be replicated, um, mm-hmm. in some other shape or form. Um, but that—that's a lot. And I suppose as individuals, yeah, we need. I suppose we need better techniques, maybe to, yeah, you know, can't like keep up that keep up that fight, and um, and have that lifelong journey of, yeah, yeah. It, it's exhausting to. I suppose have every every sense of your being feel like um resistance um and that comes Mm -hmm. from me as a as a person where I acknowledge my privilege even in that um but yeah Mm. yeah I think that
0: like something that you talk about quite a lot is the importance of like futurism and like imagining futures um and imagining like how we can create um this better world and like one thing i want to preface this with is like you don't have to have the solutions in order to call out the problems that's not what i'm saying i'm just saying that there is a lot of benefit in being able to imagine a better world um and and like having some kind of idea of what that would look like because that kind of can help you keep going um in the times Mm. when you might be feeling like this work that doesn't give you the kind of satisfaction that you might want um yeah
1: yeah it's it's smart because people always think like everything that is in our current world has you know existed for forever or it's like the nat like natural law but like it's not and i think corona like our quarantine or mm. how we deal with current situations is like has shown like how much can change in very short time whether that's good or bad um or you know whatever how we judge that but um, I mean, even like the way you know we eat or something that has changed so much. For example, since my granny has been a child to mm. what is now, and so when we think about futures, then you know why why can't we think about the most like you know obscure utopian visions and like and I think mm. especially with futures is so important. We highlight that there will not just be one future. There has never been one past. there will never be one future like that is a very um settler and supremacist Mm. mindset that there will just be like one future um like we Mm -hmm. need to i think as much as um you know i like i think monopolistic solutions um are oppressive in itself i think also like envisioning futures might very much look different from community community which is very good but also from your personal perspective and, you know, like today, what I envision for the future might be different from tomorrow. And like, and that is good because we learn everything a day or we should be. And, um, and I, I'm not saying that like individuals should have the answers. I don't, I think, especially like individuals, especially with very much privilege shouldn't have the answers, but I guess you, it kind of grounds you in, you know, in knowing that your activism or, just your everyday doings might be planting seeds for a better more equitable future
0: thank you so much um, for listening to this episode Um, if you'd like to hear more from us, um, please hit subscribe uh, just so that that boosts the podcast as well in the rankings and it means that you'll get Mm -hmm. notified when we have a new episode coming out. Um, For more info on the pod, you can follow us at the Yikes Podcast on Instagram. Um, You can find me at Michaela Loach on Instagram. And I'm Theresa Pease on Instagram. This podcast is produced by Finley Mowat. Thank you so much again to Go Climate for sponsoring this episode. Um, We'll be back with a new episode next week. Bye. Bye!